Welcome to the What in the World is God Doing podcast, conversations with Highland Park Missions partners in Casper, Wyoming, and around the world. In the midst of global crises and a daily onslaught of discouraging news, this podcast will encourage you about the good work God is doing around the world and inspire you to join in God's mission in our everyday lives. Highland Park Community Church exists to take risks to pursue God and love like Jesus, and our mission partners are courageously living that out at home and abroad. I'm Darren Edwell-Palker, the Go Pastor at Highland Park, and joining me today is Tony Picado. Tony is the Director of Operations with the Nice Foundation, and he has a wife and two kids that live in Nicaragua, and they are the other side of the bridge for the ministry that we do here at Highland Park in partnership with Nicaragua. So Tony, welcome and thank you for joining us today on this edition of the What in the World is God Doing podcast. Thank you, Pastor Darren. Um, I'm really uh, happy to be um, having this conversation with you and uh, I'm looking forward, you know, to do um, good things. Yeah, man. Well, hey, for those that are unfamiliar with who the NICE Foundation is, can you start out by explaining the role of the NICE Foundation and then sort of specifically what you do with NICE in Nicaragua? Yes. Um, well, NICE Foundation um, start like uh, more than 20 years ago, actually. Um, I was a little kid about, about that time. Um, I started uh, knowing about NICE Foundation uh, when I was uh, probably 18 years old. Nice Foundation, uh, it's Nicaraguan Christian Education Foundation that uh, helps uh, to uh, help the schools, but also not just the schools, but like a different organization here in Nicaragua. Uh, one of the things that uh, call my attention is the Nice Foundation is not trying to um, do all for themselves. This is uh, like trying to like help the Nicaraguans to reach other Nicaraguans. Mm. So that's the most important part of what a NICE Foundation does. Many organizations that works in Nicaragua, they come and do all their things. And uh, that's, that's good. I mean, they help, they bring resources and they, you know, they do their, their, their thing. But the NICE Foundation is like help Nicaraguans to reach other Nicaraguans. So that's what I liked about what a nice foundation is doing in Nicaragua. That's great. And and how about your role? What do you do? Uh, I'm doing a little bit of everything. <laughs> I'm a translator. I'm a driver. Uh, but also, um, I coordinate projects, uh, like construction projects. I uh, also different kind of, uh, like, feeding programs that I supervise. Uh, I When the containers that uh, Highland Park, church you know back i'm uh, helping to release those containers as well so and also to distribute all the family boxes all the resources that come from in the different from different areas to distribute you know equally to the most need people that's great you know tony i know that covid has really impacted nicaragua as it has the rest of the world so can you give us a snapshot of how your country has been impacted? Well, yes, <laughs> I have ex personal experience with that. Um, my parents, uh, since we have the first person, it was in March, about the 18th. Um, and so 
this this came really quick, you know, quick uh, to get uh, growing. Uh, so my parents were like helping in one of the communities delivering food uh, because they, after, you know, we fight, we had the first case, uh, many people did lose their jobs. So uh, what are happening, you know, like they didn't have any, they were starving. So we were distributing the food in different places. My parents were in uh, one place and without knowing uh, they got the virus. So my dad was really ill uh, and he didn't have uh, the regular symptoms. He didn't have any fever, he didn't have any so uh, other symptoms. So we thought it was a different thing. But actually uh, just uh, one day, you know, was like uh, almost dying. We took him to the hospital, to the private hospital, because our hospital, the public hospitals here are not good. So we took it to the private hospital and they told us they couldn't take care of him. Mm. They have, they were so crowded, they didn't have room for him. Now at this time, did they know that it was COVID or they weren't sure? Uh, they weren't sure for sure, uh, but um, well, they, we, we, we took him to the private doctor, friend of us, and they told us, you know, we're going to do a test. And actually, he did positive. And they, they took him to the near hospital. And anyway, and they took him to like a public hospital because that's, that was the only choice. And I remember that at that time, we didn't know they were going to see him again. That's the reality here. Mm. Like, uh, it was scary for us when we were trying to know more about what happened to him. And were you allowed every, to be? Were you allowed to be with him in the hospital at that time? No. Okay. No, and that's what I was about to say. You know, and when you go to that hospital, several families or uh, some you know people are asking for their relatives, and no information. They call you once a day, and they tell you about like, uh, you know, just a short. Uh, thing about how your relative is so in the most scary part you see more like funeral cars coming out than ambulance so or people going out so that's scary you wow. know when you have your dad or your mom there and you never know you know if you're gonna see him again several people they don't see him again their relative after they go to the public hospital so in, the, in numbers, uh, so far, you know, uh, they have like uh, just in Managua, like 3,734 people, you know, today. I'm talking about today. But uh, is that, it's been like I'm several sorry, that, thousand more. Is that cases or deaths? No, dead people. Wow. Sorry. Okay. Um, yes, uh, this is the thing. The hospitals are so crowded and we, they don't have the capacity to, to help, you know, the people. So what is happening now is the people that get the uh, sick with this virus, they stay at their homes. Mm. They hire some of the ones who have the uh, possibility, they hire some like private doctor and the ones that cannot, you know, just like uh, stay at home and they pray. Uh, 360 pastors has been sick of COVID. Wow, 360. Pastors, yeah, you're talking about like uh, evangelical pastors, mm. and thousands and thousands that we the cases that we don't know. I mean, like some people that they are sick, you know, and 
they don't know if they what do they have because if they go to the hospital it will be hard for them right now your mom um, did she also contract covid yes uh, she was taking care of my dad and when he he didn't know we didn't know actually you know it was covid so as soon as they took him, my dad to the hospital and we didn't know if we're gonna see him again. So my brothers and I, we hired a doctor to see my mom and did the test and she was positive. Wow. With my mom was a different story because uh, we were able to you know, help her like privately. She stay at home all the time and we see her like once a day and the doctor comes like twice a week or so. And, uh, it was expensive uh, to treat her, you know, with the best medicine, but it was effective and she didn't suffer as much as my dad. Mm. So how did your dad pull out of it? Tell us what happened after the hospital. Uh, well, I, uh, I just can say God, God was the only one that, you know, helped him. Uh, he is the diabetic, he has heart problems. And he was almost dead when we took him to the hospital. Wow. We didn't think we want, we want to see him again. Uh, our church prayed for him. Uh, many people in the States prayed for him. Uh, nice foundation. But uh, uh, in their website or in their uh, Facebook page uh, to pray about him. And that's the reason that my dad's alive. The prayers is the only that uh, took him out of death. Wow. And with all of those pastors that are experiencing illness through COVID, then their churches, many of them um, must be struggling. I know in some cases they're probably trying to hold online Facebook stuff, but in probably in a lot of areas, they don't even have that technology. So how are churches getting by in this time? Well, many churches, I would say 90% of the churches are not open. They got like... Uh, uh, in our church, uh, we have the uh, this uh, doing service online through Zoom, you know. But the problem is, uh, as a country, we don't we cannot. I mean, our our churches are like uh, uh, the people from our churches. They are not rich, or at least we say rich here, but they cannot even afford to like pay their food, so they don't have access to internet. So in our services, you know, the, um, we have around like something between 15 and 20 people for 120 members that get connected, you know, on the, on the services. So, so far we, uh, we're doing like uh, special services, uh, once a week when they, if we invite, uh, uh, certain members that they cannot connect to the church, uh, certain online services. So um, they go and uh, they have all the, uh, they take care of all their, you know, like health uh, things like uh, they use alcohol, they have like something for click healing, you know, the virus and their liquid. I don't know if you are familiar with those uh, chemicals, you know, but they, they have that here, they have like some chemicals that help, mm. doesn't like, will kill if they are in their choosing. But anyway, I'm trying to say, it's like uh, uh, the church is trying to take care of all the uh, things so they can be safe. It will be no more than 10 people at the time. 
So, and it will be invited uh, just personally. It's the only had a call and said like, okay, can you come to the service at this time? Don't bring more family, just you. And, you know, trying to like get the people involved still, you know, because they need to hear the God, uh, God's word. And it's hard if they don't have the technology to do it. So, and that's how similar in every every church. So, so many churches uh, start opening back in the last week, uh, little by little, uh, using their face masks, you know, and trying to do like their own thing. Uh, but it has been hard for the pastors. I had a pastor, a call from the pastor in the own uh, area. It's uh, uh, an hour and a half away from Manawa. It's about like 60 kilo, 60 miles from from an hour. And they, he said like, uh, it's one of the places that we have with the food. Um, Pastor Dennis and he told me like, uh, can I uh, uh, use some of the food, you know, that you gave me the rice and soy for the, 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 the we use for feeding center to eat, you know, for my family, for my own family. And that's made me cry. Because you know, I say, of course. I mean, like, it's it's hard, like uh, here, you know. But uh, it's the churches are not open; they are not offering. They are not like uh, they don't have uh, like uh, many churches. I will say, like, seventy percent of the churches they don't have bank account. So even though they, if they, even though the members want to tie, you know, they cannot send the money. Mm. And so the pastors are starving. You know, the families are like uh, having a rough time. So this food is actually serving not only the communities that they're trying to reach, but also pastoral families in this time because the crisis is so deep. Yes. Now it's, uh, you know, it's serving uh, pastoral families. And before it was just for like a, like a rich program to reach uh, kids, to reach people, you know, like rich families to come to the church. Now it's also helping the, the families in the church, several uh, families being affected for this and so now there is use it, use it for also serving their own church it's not just out of the church but in the church well you know highland park um supports this food packing and we do about 230 240,000 meals uh during our annual food pack the next one's coming up on october 10th of 2020 um, but in addition to the food we also send family boxes of um, household goods, clothing, and that's up to support families. And then also these teacher boxes that we collect um, school supplies for the teachers to give to their kids. So tell us a little bit about the teachers network that's there that NICE is partnered with and then how the uh, retreat that happens that we had the privilege of being at this past January, what the retreat is about and the connection with the Christian schools in Nicaragua and and how um, what we're doing, not only with the food pack, but with our support of the NICE Foundation, how it impacts this network of Christian schools. Uh, for those that are unfamiliar with that, can you share about that? Yes. Um, the, uh, we'll start with the family boxes that you pack. Um, these boxes, uh, they use for like two kind of things. One is... Uh, that they uh, use it for the church and they distribute in the different churches or, or schools. And they use for their own, you know, uh, use like, you know, they, they, it's, it's been great 
since we had the first family box to had a mix before we packed like shoes or shirts like a uh, like women's shoes or all like all shoes. in one box just all in one box yeah, yeah. And, the, and we had the, uh, the first idea to put them all together and that is uh, amazing you know i was in the church actually when they were open one family were open the box and you know this is a mix you don't know what you can find there so in every little island that this uh family open serve to somebody oh they say oh this t-shirt for uh, roberto uh -huh. this, this, you know it was amazing all every little item you know mm -hmm. every item served you know the whole family they find it so it's important because even though you don't think you know you do a lot but uh, sometimes you say what are they going to need this uh, these cups or this you know this uh, it's it's worth a lot you know it's amazing um the other thing about the teachers retreat and school supplies, uh, the school supplies, it's uh, it's been a good tool to help, you know, the, the kids and the teachers. Uh, now we separate, like they have teacher uh, boxes and they have like a school boxes that serve the, the, the students in the preschools. So uh, it's been a big part. Uh, why are you talking about the uh, school boxes first? Because that's what are we given the surprise in their teachers retreat. Every year, uh, we have uh, more than 100 teachers uh, that has been sponsored by Island Park. And um, I, I wanna talk in uh, some words about this uh, teacher. Um, they travel uh, five hours to their own, you know, from their place uh, to, the, to get the bus right to Manawa. Uh, they use like I, I think a boat and then a horse ride and then you know I think finally bus to come to to Banawa to get the to be in the retreat. They are from the east coast and it's really hard to get access. So I was talking to her and she said like uh, I asked her uh, all that work to come for two days, three days, you know, sometimes two days and some two days to this retreat and it will be you know. <laughs> hard for me to travel that day. But she said, it's important for me and I'm really joyful to come and doing this. You know, I wish to be like every month, she said, if it was <laughs> here. Yeah. So it's like, a, you will travel like once a month to do all that, you know, just to come to the retreat. She said, yes, uh, it's important. And say, why? Why is it so important for you? She said like, you know, this give me tools to like work with my kids. Um, one of the retreats they talk about like uh, work with the kids with the special needs and they have like a couple of kids with this uh, special needs and she didn't have she didn't know all those tools before she said like i learned so much how to work with the with the kids you know like and now we help them to like improve their skills things that they, before they were teaching the same thing as, uh, as the other kids and they now they focus on their needs and now they focus on uh with the tools that they get from this retreat so that's just an example about like you know how this it's a blessing for mm -hmm. them if you're asking every single teacher you know they will tell you a different story mm -hmm. but all about the same uh how important for them is to be in this teacher's retreat they wait that all year long to be there because they know they're going to learn something and god will lead us to have a better school uh, one of the schools in the north side of Nicaragua, uh, their kids, even though it's uh, in a really poor community area, 
um, the, their kids has been like uh, in the championship uh, for the schools in for the whole Nicaragua. They got like good uh, uh, representation. I mean, like they were representing their own state to represent in the national competition and just came from all that, you know, for the teachers from that school and all that has been learning from this like teachers retreat. So we see it's uh, doing a great thing. Uh, with the teachers. Mm. You know, for those listening, the way that we support missions at Highland Park is through something called Faith Promise. And what Faith Promise is, it's a yearly pledge where you pray with your family and you say, what would God have us to give this year? And it's usually above and beyond what you're normally giving to as a tithe to the church. But you're saying, God, I'm trusting that you will provide this amount. And if you provide it, I will give it. The idea is that God owns all the resources. And if we just join him on this journey, I want people to know that your giving to Faith Promise makes a difference in Nicaragua. It enables us to do the Feed Nicaragua food pack, which sends not only the food, but also the teacher supplies and also the family boxes and additional equipment. And it helps to empower the ministry, Tony, as you mentioned earlier, to help Nicaraguans reach Nicaraguans for Christ. We just want to come alongside you in the work that you're doing. So we're so grateful. We are thankful for you standing on the front lines of ministry as Nicaragua is going through the pandemic and experiencing the impact of that. And Tony, as we close, I would just like to ask, how can we be praying with you and for you for the nice foundation for Nicaragua in this time? Well, thanks for asking that. Uh, we have so many prayers, you know, to ask for, but I will say like, uh, pray for uh, the future of the church in the schools uh, for God wisdom for the directors to like uh, work during uh, through this time um, for our leaders our pastors to God provide you know for their families during this hard time and for the nice foundation uh, that they have the resources that they can keep bringing the, the food because the food has been really uh, main part of all this ministry. Uh, we probably, you don't have the, an idea, you know, how important being the food in this hard time in Nicaragua. And the way that we see is gonna be worse than better. And this will help tremendously to the, all the families. So please pray for uh, the nice foundation so they can get resources and they can get more churches to get involved in the packing trade. That's great, man. Hey, let's go ahead and pray. If you, if you're uh, okay with that, for those of you listening, please join us as we pray. And Tony, as you were talking, Jeremiah 29, 11 came to mind. It's a very common verse. Most people know it. Um, Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, God uh, is saying to his people, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future when you mentioned praying for the future of the church, sometimes we can lose sight in the midst of chaos and difficulty. Where is God? And to his people, he wrote in exile in Babylon when they were conquered by the Babylonians and probably wondering, God, where are we, have you forgotten us? And in that time, God was working to give them a hope and a future. And, and as you use that word that stuck with me, the word future, the future of the church, um, that this is a crucial time. And we uh, are standing with you in prayer for God's 
direction and guidance and reforming and reshaping of the church um, and for those that are in need. So let's go ahead and pray. So God, I thank you that you know us and you love us and we are your people and we are a global church. We are a global body and we stand with our brothers and sisters today in Nicaragua Nicaragua, through our brother Tony and through his family as they're there on the front lines. Thank you for the healing that you brought to his mom, to his dad. Thank you, God, that you are at work, though we do recognize there are many that have died in this time. There are churches that were without pastoral leadership. There are families that are suffering. And so in the midst of that, you still are Emmanuel, God with us. You are the one that can bring us through this. And I pray for the future of Nicaragua, that it would be shaped through this crisis in new ways that the church would rise up. We pray for wisdom for leaders, for the nice foundation, God, to know how to strategically serve and minister in this time. And we pray for provision for those here in the U.S. participating in Faith Promise and the Nicaragua Food Packs and other churches joining, that you would stir hearts and minds, that together we can serve as one body and serve those that are in need. We pray for our beloved brothers in Nicaragua that your hand would be upon them and they, they would have hope and that the, the gifts of food, of clothing would serve to inspire hope to say there are people that care about us and that this would be a sign of God's love for them. And God, thank you for uniting us together because when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And so we stand with our brothers and sisters today and ask in Jesus' name, strengthening, encouragement, provision. Thank you for Tony. Bless him and his family. And bless the continued work of the Nice Foundation. Thank you for all those that are participating in this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So I want to say a little, I want to share a verse as well. Matthew uh, 25, 35. Say, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I need a cloth and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then, you know, they say, when they ask the people, ask, you know, when we told you, when we see you. And the Lord answered them, when did, um, when you, when did we, you to a stranger invite you in again on or needing cloth, you cloth you. So he said like, uh, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one, the least of the brothers and sister of mine, you did for me. Mm. So that's what I, what I always think about, like when I think about like Highland Park Church, you know, like uh, that calls my attention and thank you for all that you do, thank you. Thank you, Tony. We love you, brother. We're proud of you, and thanks for standing on the front lines of ministry in Nicaragua. We're standing with you in prayer. Thank you so much for joining us as well on this podcast. Our goal here is to get you moving on mission. So follow us on our missions page at hpcc.church/missions, or go to our Facebook page for updates on service in Casper and beyond. See you next time. Let's continue to keep our brothers and sisters in Nicaragua in prayer.